0: Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us, episode 756 of I Doubted Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore. Joined today, lovely, the talented, the scholarly Brittany Page.
1: Well, happy Veterans Day, Jesse D.
0: Yep. <laughs> it sure is.
1: You know, I posted a uh, a picture of you in the I your- know.
0: I know your, you your uh what's
1: it what's the official term? I don't in the
0: dress blues. Yeah,
1: the dress blues. And uh I you got a lot of comments thanking you for your service and I kept asking you throughout the day. I'm like, did you go check out the love that you got on your picture that I posted? And every time I asked you that you said I did not.
2: I did so, not. So,
1: you know, in order for everyone's comments to uh have meaning, you should go read them. Well I don't want to be them a, in.
0: I don't wanna be a curmudgeon, but it is it's the same thing we've talked about for years and years and years, and it's mm-hmm. the lowering of the bar of what is a hero, and also thanking people for... When I Listen, when you're in boot camp, when you're in Marine Corps boot camp, you don't say thank you to one of your drill instructors. Mm-hmm. They will quickly shut you up and tell you, don't thank me, I get thanked on the 1st and the 15th. <laughs> You know what I mean, and yeah. I, maybe I've just adopted that. But mm. one, I don't like. It, it's it's counterintuitive, I know, but I don't like being a spectacle. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I, I, I
0: know it's counterintuitive it because very, yeah. of the career that I've chosen.
1: Correct. Um,
0: mm-hmm. But I don't like being a spectacle. Yeah. So,
1: well, it's on your own terms.
0: That that there is some wisdom in that, right there. It
1: has to be on your own terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a <laughs> spectacle. But on your own terms, that's with, what you like. What's going on with the yawning? Without
0: a doubt. Yeah, I'm yawning, you Talk about a
1: low-energy jab over here. <laughs>
0: low-energy jab.
1: You, you need to get it together. You need to get it together. Yeah. Yeah. Veterans Day, wake up, and let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. Yeah. So we have an email to read. I think we have voicemails as well, right? We do. Uh, kicking off the Vo- Veterans Day... Uh,
0: Extravaganza.
1: ...version of the show. So we have an email here from Kelly. Kelly, longtime listener, longtime supporter of the show. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I am currently listening to your latest podcast, and it got me wondering, have y'all ever seen black parents interviewed on CNN or any network for that matter about their concerns about how history and race are being taught to their kids? Just a thought. Yeah, wow. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Kelly from New England love the show. Brittany's the
0: best part. Bye. Without a doubt, something that is not brought up. Mm-hmm. CNN not doing the job. Mm-hmm. MSNBC, I don't watch too much, but I would guess not doing the job. Mm-hmm. The only network that is likely really doing that on a full time basis is Fox News.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I could tell you were zoning out. <laughs> I could. I was looking over and I'm like, uh, she's not even paying attention to a goddamn thing I'm saying right now.
1: No, I was paying attention as evidenced by my looking at you. No, like, no. wait, what did you just say?
0: As evidenced by your, mm-hmm hmm Yes. Fox News doing a good no, job. I didn't. I said of interviewing what? black parents.
1: Well, I was looking for a tweet, is what was happening. I was multitasking. I was listening and looking for a tweet. Um because uh-huh. because we're criticizing media. We're criticizing the way that um the media I'm not prepared. That's definitely the case. Um <laughs> also that sounds a lot like it's currently happening, but that's a drop. Um so I want to read this New York Times tweet. It's not necessarily connected. Okay, bro, don't come at me to CRT. But all it right, is, let's get
0: let's answer the email. It's let's related. Email.
1: Well, no, and we're not talking about the email because I'm going to read this tweet. Oh, all right, and it's not related to CRT. You hear that, Kelly?
0: <laughs> Fuck you and your email.
1: <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Terrible to Kelly. <laughs> points. No
0: one wants to hear <laughs> about that. Brittany, proceed. You're correct.
1: Um. Okay. So the New York Times, the New York Times, from their official Twitter account, tweeted this today. Kyle Rittenhouse, who has idealized, did they,
0: did they say it in that voice?
1: Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Did it, is Kyle there Rittenhouse- is there like
0: a is there like a disclaimer that says read it in a weird weirdo fucking voice? Well,
1: I'm trying to be a dick because it deserves a dick tone. Okay. So. Kyle Kyle Rittenhouse <laughs> who, who has idealized no, 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 law start enforcement over, start over. Kyle Kyle
0: <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse who's uh, blah, 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 blah.
1: Okay Kyle Rittenhouse who has idealized law enforcement since he was young arrived in Kenosha on August 25th 2020 with at least one mission to play the role of police officer and medic the night would end with him fatally shooting two men and wounding another.
0: Yeah, they leg- they're legitimizing this fucking goof, playing police officer and medic, neither role he's trained for. Mm-hmm. He's, he's cosplaying as being an armed cop, and he actually killed people, mm-hmm. and they're given that fucking oxygen. Mm-hmm. The New York Times, listen
1: that his mission was to play the role of police officer yeah. and medic. Uh, this is so strange, but it goes to Kelly's it goes to Kelly's email. It really is related because this is important for us to question. Like how is this media framing um r- resulting in people thinking terrible things? Wrong L- things. Let me tell you right? something. Right, it's influencing them to believe things that are not correct.
0: I have today Today, I did two videos on YouTube about the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Mm -hmm. One just kind of reacting to the the, the clusterfuck that was the court. And then the other was about Tucker Carlson and Janine Pirro Mm. propagandizing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I got a surprising amount of pushback from my audience on YouTube, which is ostensibly a liberal audience. You did. Saying, oh, yeah, lots of voicemails, lots of emails. Saying that they think I'm off base. That they think the kid was acting in self-defense. Huh. Very weird to me. Mm-hmm. I was surprised by it. Usually, yeah. I think I've got a bead on on what the... When I say something that's going to spark some some um, dissent. And I was way off. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, obviously, it doesn't change my opinion right. about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Kelly, thank you for the email It is uh a great point that why hadn't why didn 't i haven 't I been thinking about that
1: well and i it's it 's an important question for sure, and uh, I think that the media scrutiny of how they are framing these issues is very important and who they are choosing to platform. And uh, like we talked about the, the Virginia suburban white moms, right? um, The people that they're choosing to interview about critical race theory um, and the people that they're choosing to leave out like Kelly highlighted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If you would also like to email, you can do so at, I doubt it at dollamore.com or you can call and leave a voicemail like these voicemail, these callers did to 7609
3: Hey, Jesse and Brittany. I'm glad to actually finally get to see your podcast here on YouTube. I don't actually have a, a, a computer device that I'm capable of watching the podcast on. Uh, so now that you have it on YouTube and I can watch it on my TV, now I actually get to see both of you and hear what you guys have to say and i have to say thank you for that i hope you keep go, uh, that going and i appreciate everything i wish i could uh be a subscriber but i'm on disability so i have very little money uh, to to do things like that but i will watch uh your, your podcast on youtube i watch your show uh, dollar more daily every day um that you put videos out And I love seeing you two together. Keep it up. Hope to see more. Thank you, brother.
0: What an unfortunate thing for this particular uh, audience (laughs) member because this episode (laughs) is not going up on YouTube.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and like you said last week, the goal is to do at least uh, one a week on YouTube. We're going to try yeah. to do every single one, but um, that may not always work out just because of the length of the, the thing and editing it and getting all that down. And we're still trying to we have like a a clock set up that I can see and part of my job, which, you know, I already struggle with paying attention while you're talking. Are is, you,
0: is this sausage being made talk right well, now? Well, we don't
1: need to frame it Are in that way. Are you explaining how
0: the sausage is made? We
1: don't need to use because that phrase. Because it seems it, it,
0: like you're laying out a recipe yeah. for sausage well
1: that phrase is um something that doesn't need to be used in reference to this but so i'm gonna shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. need to train myself to look at the clock when stuff needs to be on screen on youtube write that down so we're, we're getting into a rhythm figuring it out i'm actually you taught me how to get clips for the show
0: yeah, and a lot of the pre-production work is being tossed over to you.
1: Yeah, and I now now uh, I know how to like get the videos for the the YouTube video and uh, get the audio and edit it. More and, sausage talk. And and look normalize at this, everybody! It and then um, compress it. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> all this very exciting stuff. I finally know how to do seven hundred and fifty-six episodes.
0: Thanks for the call, everybody. One more, and then we're going to move on to talk about. The aforementioned Kyle Rittenhouse trial.
4: Hey, this is Seven from Toronto, Canada. And we believe I did it. <laughs> I just listened to. We believe <laughs> I doubt it with all more because I felt compelled to go back and listen to as much as I could. And a year was all, was all they would let you listen to. Anyway, Jesse, I discovered your podcast. Uh, sorry, your, your Facebook page, uh, found out you had a podcast, went and listened to all the podcasts I could, which was great because I got to learn a lot about you guys that I probably would have missed if I just started listening when I found you. You know, Brittany's, uh, fun at the dentist, um, <laughs> all about Popeye, how amazing, uh, you guys are, how much you care about the average guy and gal. But, uh, man, we have so much in common, Jesse. Um, I had a, a strange daughter who uh, developed cancer, um, got in touch with me. So if there was a good side to cancer, that's what it would be. Um, she's all better now. You know, amazing girl. We love each other so much. Um, and I wasn't part of her life until until the cancer came. and And now it's gone. And she's still an important part of my life. Uh, obviously. <clears throat> but other than that, man, I was gonna write an email, I couldn't find the email address, so uh I <laughs> I found a way to listen to the podcast surreptitiously at work. So while I'm unloading trucks, I'm laughing and wheedling all the time <laughs> and people <are> like <laughs> that guy something's wrong with that guy. <laughs> yeah, something's wrong with me. It's called dolomoritis. Or something. I doubt it. I just I doubt it. Anyway, I love you guys, man. Jesse, if we were in the same place, I have no doubt that we would we would be friends. And Brittany, you're amazing for putting up with (laughs) Jesse. I know because I have one of you at home, uh, an amazing woman that supports me in all of my endeavors and misdeeds and whatnot. Anyway. Uh, I'm now I have to listen to you twice a week like the rest of the people and it's kind of sad because I got used to listening to like two, three podcasts a day while I was backtracking um, it's going to be sad that I have to wait now I, that's the way it goes anyway, love you guys I want to say Jesse's the best part but we all know the truth take care um, happy Thanksgiving. We had ours already.
0: Love the show, Brittany's the best part. Bye. It was implied, he said, but we all know the truth or something. Yeah, it was implied.
1: Well, that was a very nice message.
0: Very nice. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting. We've had several listeners go back and listen to past episodes, uh. and I always tell people if you're going to do it, like if you want to get a flavor for. What's going on in our lives, or whatever, and avoid like the 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 news items that are really timely. They're not, you know, they're they're right. They get it's, it's news, so you're you're listening to old shit. Mm-hmm. The first ten or fifteen minutes of the show really typically are the are the highlights of us, you know, talking about our de- dentist visits and. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting such. that to be the thing that, um, he felt like he knows about us. <laughs> Yeah. Is like our trips to the dentist. But I was going to say, because if he was going to reference like personal details, which he ended up doing, um, that it, it is a conflict that we have at times of... Wanting to rehash certain things that we know long-term listeners have heard ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that people who are just starting the show now do not know. And it, it's it's kind of hard to balance that of new listeners are coming on. They're wondering, like, who are these people? Why should I care what they have to say? God,
0: people have reviewed the show and said, it's too much talk about their own lives. Who cares about that?
1: Well, and then you have people who don't care about that. But I think there's a lot of people who do are interested in, like, yeah. why should I take what you say seriously. Sure. Uh, what are your credentials or what is your life experience? What What gives you the ability to, to talk about these things? And it's tough to kind of go through that when some people have heard it too much and some people have never heard it. Yeah, so- we don't want
0: to end up being an Adam Carolla who just recycles the same 15 bits for, for 25 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> we definitely don't want to do that.
0: So um, it is interesting, the thought of... of, of- the difference between binge watching something mm-hmm. and doing it in a truly, purely episodic way. Yeah. Because Brett number One,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who Your the, best friend. The the Toronto in, is it Torontoite? Torontoan?
1: Don't know.
0: Uh I think his name was David. That's what I have written down, but when he said his name anyway. Uh Brett Number One mm-hmm. doesn't like to watch things episodically. He likes Waits till all the episodes are out, right? And then they binge the shit out of it. Yes. And I think something's lost there. Yeah. When you do that, because mm-hmm. you don't get the time in between episodes to process and talk about what it was and mm-hmm. what might be coming up. And there, there's just a whole separate part of the entertainment process mm-hmm. that you lose out on when you binge.
1: Well, and I have definitely noticed that that's the case because there's several shows that we're watching right now, Succession, Dope Sick. Um,
0: impeachment.
1: Impeachment, where during the week after we've watched the episode, we will talk about it. Like yeah, something yeah. that kind of came up for us or we're thinking about something a different way. Um, and if you're binging one after another, you're, you're missing some of that. Also, I tend to get on my phone if I'm binging something and then I miss...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Significant parts of the show. I mean, we're also rewatching The Sopranos right now, and I tend to get on my phone with like things that I don't care about. Right, right, right. And so I'm Certain inevitably- Certain storylines,
5: uh, a la,
0: um, what was the one on HBO? Game of Dragons. Thrones. Game of Thrones, yeah. Yes. Used to There was only like two storylines you cared about.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much. Uh, it is nice- when new listeners, also, I don't know that we've ever had a listener find the Facebook page yeah. and become a listener of the show. Yes. Usually it's finding my dumbass on YouTube. Right. And migrating over to the show. So. Yes. Fantastic. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you, too, would like to sound off, we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609, or you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at
6: I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash podcast.
1: We well, would like to thank our new Patreon supporters Robert D. Robert D. Carrie C. Carrie C. Michael S. Michael S. Erica L. Erica L. Elizabeth R.
0: Elizabeth R.
1: Your young sugar daddy Hakim.
0: Your young sugar daddy
1: Hakim. Larry M. Larry M. Zachary F. Zachary F. Chad P. Chad P. Angel M. Angel M. And Lucia D.
0: Lucia or Lucia, D. We know both. So I don't want to... Well, I
1: know the one I said. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you for saving me. It, and feel free, again, we always use Raina as the example here because for so long... Who's
0: right? You mean Rania? <laughs> <laughs>
1: We pronounced Raina's name wrong for a very long time and finally she was like, Listen, fuckers, that's not how you say it. And uh she corrected us. So we we definitely appreciate when people do that for us. So. Hey, fuckers, I'm trying to talk here. All right. Enough with you're you're a little drop happy. You're today. a little drop happy. I think that's how you that's how you're All right. And the latest <laughs> And the latest Patreon supporter to increase the pledge, we want to give a special shout out to Janice C.
0: Janice C.
1: Thank you very much for increasing your pledge. You know, I've been getting plenty of responses to people sending their addresses in for the end-of-year Patreon gift. That is a magnet. We've sent it to a handful of people. Like
0: a refrigerator magnet.
1: A refrigerator magnet. And uh, everyone laughs and smiles, and they seem to get a nice chuckle out of it. So we are hopeful that it will be something that brings you some light at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. And we want to get it out to as many Patreon supporters as possible. So I am still... No No.
0: matter your tier. No
1: matter your tier. If you have a message from me on Patreon, then that means we do not have an address for you on file. And you simply respond to that and send me that address. And that's all that you have to do. If you're a new Patreon supporter, by the end of the year, you will be added to the list to get the magnet as well. So no worries on that. It goes until the end of the year. If you did not get a message from me, I have your address. You're fine. If you're worried about it, you can email uh, idoubtit at com to check on it. And I will check on it for you just to make sure that you are on the list.
0: The other thing is... Thanksgiving here in the United States is rapidly approaching and we need for you to submit your contribution for this year's family-friendly, profanity-free Thanksgiving, what-are-you-thankful-for-this-year episode. You can email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at dolamore.com or call in from a quiet place to 657-464-7609 it is anonymous you don't have to say how much that that you like the show or you hate the show just call in and tell us what you're thankful for this year a minute a minute and a half is perfect please do it this ends up being a, a a fan favorite every year And we're really excited about doing it again this year since we skipped last.
1: Yeah. A nice moment of reflection for everybody to just kind of sit back and think about what you're grateful for this year and share that with the listener community.
0: Absolutely. All right. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. Moving on. Dallemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So today, the defense rested in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. But yesterday, uh, the tenth, the Marine Corps birthday, in fact, mm. was the day that Jesse was a Marine. Everybody It <laughs> was the day that Kyle Rittenhouse took the stand in his own defense, which is a, a bold move mm-hmm. for a defense team to put the the accused a- on the on the stand mm-hmm. and. Brittany and I sat here in the studio watching the TV that we have in the corner. Yep. And it was the only real, the the word that I keep using that I can't get around because it's just so apt is infuriating Mm -hmm. watching this judge every time the, 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 the prosecution would begin to develop a good line of questioning and, Trap Kyle Rittenhouse in a lie or an inconsistency. The judge would put absolutely stop any momentum, send the jury out of the room, and then like scream at the at the prosecutor.
1: Kenosha County Circuit Judge Bruce Bruce Schroeder, and it really
0: became just just bizarre. And then now there's all these things that came out, like his phone rang. And it was Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA playing. Mm-hmm. The, the song that Donald Trump, that Reagan really made famous, but Donald Trump played at his rallies. Mm-hmm. And he, it was just, it was just a shit show. So we're, we've got some clips here. um, Some things that happened today, like, because it's Veterans Day. We just got some clips. And, and it starts with, The moment that Kyle Rittenhouse broke down in what I have called, and many people have called, uh, like an Oscar, (laughs) it it was just a performance. It didn't seem genuine at all. And I've watched it many, many times to try to check myself to make certain that it really, that I'm not missing something. Mm -hmm. So listen to this moment where he's just describing what happened. And while he starts to break down, quote unquote, His eyes are darting around, looking to the jury to see if they're noticing what's happening. Looking over to the judge to ensure that his audience is paying attention. And did you get
7: back? Were you able to go in a northerly direction? I I
0: wasn't.
5: Describe what happened. Once I take that step back, I look over my shoulder and Mr. Rosenbaum... Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side Um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski and there were
2: (laughs) there were people right there we're gonna just
7: take time for our break anyway you you can uh just relax for a minute sir um uh, we're gonna take a break uh about uh 10 minutes and please don't talk about the case during the break what read watch or listen to any kind so
0: listen i i i watch this over and over and over i mean probably a total of 10 sec- uh 10 times it's only 26 seconds and uh I just still, there. It doesn't. It doesn't smack of authenticity to me. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. Uh, we'd love to know if, if you disagree.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It just seemed, I don't know, it, incongruent, inconsistent with the mood and the thread and the what was being said. And I, I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it
1: yeah I mean i it's it's hard for me in this situation, and we talk about this a lot on the show where we always endeavor to check our biases, and you know we obviously we're human beings, we have a bias, there's motivated reasoning that comes into this of wanting to find ways to validate our own perspective. but I would also say that this read disingenuous to me when I was watching it as well. how much of that is influenced by my biased perception. I'm not sure um you know, I saw a little bit of myself in that when I try to fake cry for you, um, and one of my methods is actually to squeeze my eyes to try to generate some irritation, which causes watering. Yeah. And um, as you know, I'm a great actor.
0: Unbelievable actor. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh,
1: (laughs) but seriously, I'm, I'm, you know, we make fun of body language experts on the show all the time, and um, I... (laughs) Who knows? Who knows whether it was a performance. But yeah, it, it yeah, yeah. did seem incongruent. All of the things that you're saying are true. I think what's also disturbing is the uh, sympathy that was shown for Kyle Rittenhouse by all the usual suspects on Twitter. J.D. Vance. Um,
0: Calling him a little boy. and
1: right. He's 18
0: years old. He's a man.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, he's, an, he's a man. And this is not- I was well
0: into my career, my, my stint in the Marine Corps at 18. He's not a boy.
1: Well, in this sympathy, this empathy, this is not extended to uh, young black men. Yeah. And so... Young
0: black elementary school girls, it's not extended right, to. Right,
1: even black kids. I mean, it's it's not extended to. So that becomes the frustrating part of he's crying. He, he killed people. Uh, he killed two people. And he's crying about it. And there's like this rush on Twitter to talk about him as though he's a boy. And he's like, it's really sad. Yeah. And there was actually some criticism that, that we got um, on the Facebook page or the Instagram somewhere. One of the pages from from listeners of the show, supporters of the show, who were frustrated about playing this audio, playing this video of him crying as though that is adding to supporting the sympathy in the general public for him simply because people are seeing him cry. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't agree with that at all. I mean, one if that was the case then what can we talk about? Mm-hmm. If if it's just going to give more press, we're countering the narrative. We're countering the other narrative that he's some helpless child who just happened to bring a deadly weapon of war into a into a, a curfewed Uh, protest zone. I I mean, just come on Mm -hmm. anyway. So,
1: but these are the same people um, who will say that like the protesters had what was coming to them. Right. Um, I think Greg Gutfeld recently made a comment along those lines about the two people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed. Um, So there's all this sympathy and empathy that they can offer up for for Kyle Rittenhouse. But then the parties that actually need that empathy and need that support and need people to raise their voices, they are silent.
0: Yeah. So the the other thing that happened on the first day was that the, the prosecutor, um, who, by the way, I think really comes across as a smug douche to me. <laughs> he really does. I don't really particularly like him. I don't think he's some hero. You know, again... Two things can be true at the same time. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of him, but he initially he he really stepped on his dick when he <laughs> when he said he started questioning Kyle Rittenhouse about his silence, and now how now he's testifying, but he was silent for so long, and he got admonished by the judge, the the the, the defense team. They they objected, and it was they was right for them to object. He was wrong in what he was doing. And if he doesn't be careful, he's going to fuck up this trial and end up with a mistrial and have to go at it again um
1: well, the defense rested its case today, so right, running right, out right. of time
0: right, but there was another moment where he goes down this line of questioning and he's got it he's got a strategy of where he's going, and the judge just derails him time after time after time and i 'm going to play a clip here of a couple minutes of him explaining to the judge, and I just want to get the if you didn't watch this and you haven't seen this um to get a flavor for just what kind of an ally the judge is for Kyle Rittenhouse. just It really seemed like he was a member of the defense team. Listen to this.
7: He knows he can't go into this, and he's asking the questions. I ask the court to strongly admonish him, and the next time it happens, I'll be asking for a mistrial with prejudice. He's an experienced attorney,
6: and he knows better. Mr. Finger? First of all, Your Honor, this was the subject of a motion. I'm well aware of that. And the court left the door open. This for me, not for you. My understanding of You should
7: have come and asked for uh, for reconsideration. You did on the one motion, and in fact, I granted your motion for reconsideration. That was on our I, motion. I, I, uh, not, sorry, uh, excuse me. I, uh, I did. I granted. We did not move. That was their motion.
6: We have not filed any motions to reconsider in this case. That
7: was their motion for reconsideration,
0: which I denied. But. So the judge. All fierce in his condemnation. Doesn't even have the wherewithal to understand what the fucking motion they're talking about is. Well, no, that was. Wait. Uh. 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 Oh, wait. It was. a. Oh, wait. Maybe I'm wrong. In the middle of this chastisement. It just. What a clown.
7: Uh, I said, I denied it, or I indicated a bias towards (laughs) denial is what I did. Held it open with a bias towards denial. Why would you think that that made it okay for you without any advance notice to bring this matter before the jury? You are already, you were, I, I was astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law, it's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. And it gives, um, uh, well, I'll I'll leave it at that. So I don't know what you're up to.
6: May I respond? Yes. We filed another ax motion on this exact issue because in my mind, and I argued this, it is identical to what was going on on the night of August 25th, in the sense that the defendant was using this exact same weapon. He was using it in a manner to try and protect the property. No, he wasn't. There's. Your Honor, I, with all due respect. I'm not going to
7: rehash the motion. Yeah, that's absolutely untrue. It and is. There's, no, no, no. Your arguments of record. My comments are of record, and why I ruled as I did is of record. There's nothing that I heard in this trial to suggest anything's changed. Even if you're correct in your assumption that you know more than uh, I did at the time, uh, you should have come to the court and say, I want to go into this. Uh, Why you would think that you could go into it without any advance notice to the court, I don't understand that. And as the uh, defense is pointing out, you're an experienced trial lawyer, and this should
6: not have been gone into Your Honor, there have been things in this case, the testimony in this case, that I believe opens the door to this. For example, the defense has introduced evidence that the defendant pointed a gun at a man wearing yellow pants because that person was on a car on the car source lot. Now there's no justification that I can think of why the defendant would point that gun at someone. The defendant has just testified this morning that he agreed with that person in the yellow pants, that he pointed the gun at him. He said, I was joking when I said that to the guy in the yellow pants, but he said, he's acknowledged that he told the person in the yellow pants, yeah, you're right, I did point a gun at you when you were sitting on a car. He said, I did. That's what he Exactly. So he's agreeing, may I finish, please? I'd like to have a chance to make a record, if I could, without being interrupted, if that's okay.
0: So I'm going to end it there. (laughs) But you can get the flavor here for the judge
1: yeah well, it's very stressful to imagine being in this situation with the judge screaming at you and you having to be respectful um in that moment, yeah, because you can't be anything else and
0: showing deference to the court,
1: yes, and having to adjust your strategy in the moment. I mean he's trying to defend himself, certainly, but I think that he probably also has the understanding that like he's not gonna win this one, yeah. So well, our it, it, arguing is not going to He's
0: not. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But it's to get the it's to get his objections and his his uh his argument on the record.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So for future cases it could be read in the transcript what what went down.
1: Mhm. Well, Judge Bruce Schroeder is also um, a passionate supporter of Veterans Day, unlike Jesse D over here. (laughs) Um, And he took a moment to highlight that it was Veterans Day and asked if there were any military vets in the courtroom, on the jury, anyone. I think no one was really saying anything at first, but then one person responded, and they happened to be the use-of-force expert who was going to testify for the defense.
0: So the only veteran in the room was a, 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 a witness for the defense and the judge orchestrated a like a moment of silent but applause to, to, to thank this brave veteran hero with the jury in the room.
7: I wanted to just observe that it's Veterans Day and uh, any veterans in the room, on the jury or anywhere else? Well, uh, that's unusual not to have at least somebody in here. But Dr. Uh, Black is, uh, what branch? Army, sir. Okay, and uh, I think we give a round of applause to the people who've served us. Okay, so you may proceed.
0: Defense will call Dr. John Black to the witness stand. So, just before he gets called to the witness stand, he gets a, a court ordered round of applause. Cementing in the minds of the jury of his noble, dedicated service to the country, his heroic nature. He's creating a setup where this guy's unimpeachable, where his 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 testimony can't be questioned. He was just applauded by everybody. Mm-hmm. It is
1: absolutely
0: jackassery.
1: Well, and again, he's taking the stand. He's a, he's a use of force expert testifying for the defense um, as Rittenhouse's lawyers are trying to illustrate that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse had reason to fear for his life and acted in self-defense. So you have the judge recognizing him as a veteran, having applause. He's immediately being called to the stand. And this is what he's there to do. This right. is what he's there to testify. <laughs> I, I mean, there's just so many of these things that are popping up with this judge and then he made like the weird Asian food joke. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, which also smacked of politics because he's making a he's making a comment about the all of the, the, the cargo ships that are sitting off the coast here in California uh, outside of Long Beach. L- listen to this. Very brief. I'll, I'll, let me preface it. He's talking about lunch. When lunch is going to get there mm. or when they're going to break for lunch. And he's talking about the delivery of the Asian food.
7: Uh, let's hope for one o'clock. I don't know. The um, hope the Asian food isn't coming. It's on. Isn't on one of those boats in Long, uh, Long Beach Harbor. Um, but let's. Uh,
1: um, um. So, in the middle of a Myrtle murder, murder trial, he wants to um, like talk about the supply chain backlog, or like right. what? What is this a joke about? I don't.
0: I, I don't know. He's a dumb fuck. I don't know.
1: Well, and this is something I think that um, for me, and we were just talking about this today, I've always struggled with imposter syndrome and being like a, a poor white trash kid who has slowly climbed the ladder of, you know, quote unquote, success in different ways Yeah, and been in different rooms that I wouldn't imagine that I would have ended up in. I have I have seen a lot of this in action, right? Where people that I was intimidated of thinking that they were better than me, they were smarter than me, they um had things figured out. Yeah. You then meet them and realize they're- You're a fucking doctor, <laughs> bro.
0: That's what you realize. No,
1: you realize that they're <laughs> pretty much just like anybody else. Absolutely. And they're struggling in the same ways as other people. And, and maybe certain people like- you know, this judge Bruce Schroeder have more power than other people, but that doesn't mean that he isn't flawed in the same ways. And maybe he's really loving the attention right now and uh, getting up on his stage a little bit Yeah, and saying things that he probably shouldn't be saying, but because he is like loving the attention that he's getting, he's getting a little fast and loose with the mouth. I don't know.
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> he's getting a little fast and loose with the mouth.
1: Who Britney kn- Who knows, truly.
0: So we'd love to know what you think. Uh if you watched any of this at all. Um we did get a couple voicemails about it. And uh I wanted to to really talk about it first and and then uh we can we can play some listener some listener feedback. So uh six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at com.
1: Well, we still don't have a bumper for Critical Race Theory Watch, but I saw a headline that I wanted to talk about with a new survey that came out from Monmouth University. They did a poll, and it shows that seventy eight percent of Republicans oppose public schools teaching about critical race theory.
0: Uh, I, I here, I tell you what, here's our here's our critical race theory watch bumper.
1: <laughs> <Yee-haw! whistles> yeah, Not good. Remember, <laughs> As we have been saying on the show, every time we talk about critical race theory, that these parents are concerned about critical race theory being taught in their like elementary schools, middle schools, high schools. And that is not where critical race theory is taught. Critical race theory is now this blanket term that is being used to refer to just like the teaching of the impact of racism. Yeah. And this poll actually asked a specific question related to that. They asked a broader question, quote, do you approve or disapprove of public schools teaching about the history of racism? Okay? So this has nothing to do with critical race theory. Well, I mean Technically, it does. They're just not using the phrase critical race theory, because really for these parents that are against critical race theory being taught in schools, they don't want racism being taught in schools. Right. Right.
0: The history of racism. Yes. They don't want it taught that it even
1: exists
0: or has existed.
1: And here's what they found with the Monmouth University poll. More than four in 10 Republicans, 43 percent, opposed schools even broadly, uh, teaching the subject the history of racism. And about one-third, 34%, said they disapprove of it strongly. Strongly disapprove yeah. of the history of racism being taught in schools.
0: Unbelievable. Well, keep this in mind. There's a guy out there named Chris Rufo, who really is the... He's the propaganda minister for CRT. He's the one who brought it to Donald Trump's attention after he was on with Tucker Carlson or some Fox News show. And this is a tweet... That he tweeted out um, March 15th, 2021, at 1214 PM Pacific time. We have successfully frozen their brand, quote unquote, critical race theory, into the public conversation and are steadily driving up negative perceptions. We will eventually turn it toxic as we put, listen to this part, as we put all of the various cultural insanities. Under that brand category. So what he has in, uh, endeavored to do, he is achieving. Because now all of this stuff, whether it be Confederate monuments or teaching about the evils of slavery, are be- now that's all being considered critical race theory, even though it is not that. They are rebranding critical race theory into something that it is not. Mm-hmm. Admitted right here by the man himself.
1: Right. There was another USA Today Ipsos poll that found uh, a majority of Republicans did not agree with teaching about the ongoing effects of slavery, and only 38% uh, supported doing that. So you have kind of different iterations that are all different iterations of the question that are all kind of centrally related to this issue of do people support uh, racism, slavery? Uh, the history of racism, the impact of racism, uh, historical impact of racism—I mean, however you want to phrase it—do you support these things being taught in school? And increasingly, these polls are finding that Republicans are against that. It makes sense that it's increasing because you're you're starting to see that this is a hot topic. We recently talked to a, a mutual friend who thought that critical race theory was like going away—that it was no longer going to be this this talking point for the right. And that is clearly not the case. It is yeah. clearly going to be something that uh, mobilizes white voters. And I'm sure you're going to be seeing a lot of it. Uh, well, they in- are
0: hell bent to keep it part of the narrative. It, right. This is the culture war du jour. And they're not letting go of it. This is the new war on Christmas. You know, this, this is the new national anthem, kneeling for the national anthem. Mm-hmm. And they're going to keep it around as long as possible because one, it works. It worked in Virginia. And part of that was just bad messaging on the part of, uh, you know, we've already rehashed that. We don't want to rehash it. We've already talked about it. Mm -hmm. We don't want to rehash it because we've already hashed it.
1: Yeah. Well, well, and uh, Youngkin, uh, who will will be making an appearance, uh, largely ran on this issue and uh, was successful in his Virginia governor race.
0: He will be making an appearance later in the show. Correct. So why don't we just do that right now?
1: Let's do it.
5: the soul of today
1: Yunkin Glenn Yunkin is his name Glenn
0: Glenn Yunkin.
1: Glenn, I was sorry, watching I
0: watched that happen in real time, and yeah. let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that was like watching a horrific car crash, but like a beautiful symphony yeah. of a of a, a a car crash,
1: well, thank you for that like, no one was injured, yeah, I just heard beautiful and tuned the rest out um <laughs> So Glenn Youngkin's 17-year-old son tried to vote for him in the election in Virginia, not once, but twice.
0: After he was told, no, you're not old enough to vote. Right. You're 17, kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But he was like Anthony Michael Hall in The Breakfast Club. He's like desperate to be an underage, fraudulent voter. You, you keep
0: using the reference. I do not get the reference.
1: Well, you've watched The Breakfast Club, but you hate it. So that's probably why you don't remember. I don't
0: hate it. I just don't venerate it.
1: Okay. I don't think there's anyone that venerates The Breakfast Club. Um but- You do. I wouldn't use the word venerate. I think that I appreciate certain things about it and identify quite a bit with Bender. That's all there is all to it. right. Okay. So um, Glenn Youngkin, there is a defense that he has offered now for his 17-year-old voting or attempting to vote. I'm sorry. He did not vote. He attempted two times to vote, referenced that his friend had voted. His his friend, right. who I guess was 17, had voted. Um Glenn Youngkin says there's a lot of confusion on this issue.
0: There were reports of your son trying to vote in this election. Can you explain, can you sort of explain what happened there? Yeah, it was just a, it was silliness. I think um, there was there's real confusion on where a 17 year old can can vote or not, and and so he he had had a friend who, who suggested that he might be able to vote. He went up and asked. Um, I know my son really well. he was an incredibly respectful young man. And uh, and he presented his ID, and when they said he couldn't vote, he said okay, and he went to school. So uh, I do. I am a, a little bit frustrated that it's become, you know, the media paid so much attention to it. It's my 17-year-old son, and I really would like everybody to leave my family alone. <laughs> oh. hey, d- hey, listen, everybody. Yeah, he tried to commit voter fraud <laughs> twice. But listen, it's my family. Just leave him alone.
1: Yeah, it's silliness.
0: After he tried to make... uh, a rigged election part of the campaign Mm -hmm. that there was going to be voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud. And then his fucking kid does it not once, but twice on the same day. And it's, Oh, it's silly. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of confusion around 17 year olds and when they can vote. Well, let me tell you the answer is they can't vote. Yeah. 18 Glenn Youngkin. Mm -hmm. It's shocking that you are going to be the new governor of the state of Virginia. And you don't know The basics, brother.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He went into your... uh, (laughs) Anyway. Your uh, wrestler voice there for a second. What is it? I Uh, don't know. Hulk Hogan. I didn't watch wrestling as a kid. Yeah, no, it was Hulk Hogan. Um, Okay, so the Washington Post interviewed the precinct captain that had to deal with Glenn Youngkin's 17-year-old son. (laughs) I
0: love that. Had to deal with. (laughs)
1: Jennifer Chanty. And Chanty said in an interview that she realized who the teen was when she looked at his identification. When she saw his age, she let him know you have to be at least 18 to vote. Explained to him the election laws and uh, the Virginia election law states that the only time 17 year olds can vote in a primary election is if they'll be 18 by the time of the general election. Of the general election. And so she said she offered to register him to vote. Like, she was, you know, not just, like, get out of here, F off. She says, I'll register you to vote.
0: For next time.
1: And he declined and walked out. And then 20 minutes later, he's back, insisting that he should be allowed to vote, saying that a friend who was 17 had been allowed to cast a ballot. She says, quote, I told him, I don't know what occurred with your friend, but you are not registered to vote today. You're welcome to register, but you will not be voting today.
0: Sounds cut and dry.
1: And she um took notes for this um at the time.
0: Contemporaneous notes? Right.
1: And uh So
0: she remembered it vividly and has an account to recall.
1: Right. So, um the, this is of course illustrating what we've always known about the Republicans, which is that they pretend to care about voter fraud because it's something that riles up the base, but they don't actually care.
0: Right, cuz it's oh, this is silly. This is Silly Willy, my super respectful son. Blah, 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 blah.
1: I love how he said he knows him well. <laughs> I listen. I'm I'm I,
0: I'm quite uh, aware of who my son is, yeah. and um, <laughs> he is 17. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, I know him. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're acquaintances.
1: Yeah, he's a nice kid. I had dinner. Likes to I've had dinner
0: multiple times with him, and <laughs> I know him fairly well.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Email those voicemails from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Taking care
1: of biz. avenues for justice avenues
0: for justice avenues I don't know what this is or what this is about.
1: It is an alternative to incarceration program for youth in New York city And I saw a clip about this organization through one of my favorite uh, sources for news, PBS. And I thought it was just a fantastic program that needs more attention. And we will talk more about how you can support Avenues for Justice after you get introduced to the actual program.
5: On any given night in America, nearly 50,000 youth under the age of 18 are confined in facilities away from home. According to the nonprofit Prison Policy Initiative... And a Department of Justice study tracking formerly incarcerated people found that of individuals arrested at age 17 or younger, 71% had been rearrested within three years of their release. That number climbed to 80% by year five. So, when a child is arrested, how is the cycle of recidivism stopped? Part of the solution is keeping kids out of prison in the first place, says Angel Rodriguez, the co founder and executive director of the nonprofit Avenues for Justice.
3: We don't have a system that corrects, we call it corrections but it's doing a lot of damage, uh, as even today. There are other ways to address
5: this case before we sentence them to prison. Founded in 1979 as the Andrew Glover Youth Program, Avenues for Justice works with New York City's court system to offer youth offenders alternatives to incarceration. Gamal Willis is the organization's manager of court outreach and advocacy.
6: When you think about the criminal justice system, particularly here in New York State, either they're on an the island, they're isolated, far away, or upstate. Out of sight, out of mind. They do their time and then they're given a the Metro card to get back home. Almost banking on, well, recidivism. They're going to go right back into that system
5: again. Avenues for Justice works off of referrals those from the court system after an adolescent has been arrested, and those from the community when a child may be at risk of heading in that direction. Avenues for Justice provides a customized plan for each kid, helping to address the root issues that have led them to contact with the legal system. For youth in the court system, Avenues for Justice advocates that a judge mandate the youth to their program, and not the prison system, by way of a deferred sentence.
6: We're always striving for them to get a reduced charge or a youthful offender status, thus being
5: sealed, and thus it's not an abatross around their neck for the rest of their life. But ensuring youthful offender status is only the start. Avenues for Justice helps reconnect a kid with school, provides tutoring, and helps them prepare for standardized tests. For others, the organization provides job training, digital literacy classes, and workshops around other creative outlets.
1: Evening out our inhales and exhales literally sends a message to the
5: brain. And Avenues for Justice helps arrange therapy and family counseling to help with mental health needs, substance abuse, and other underlying issues. The custom-tailored
3: aspect of our work it's really crucial, and that's what judges and and, the and folks in criminal justice believe in, uh, and 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 so are we in that every kid is different. They may come in with the same charge, but they are living different lives.
5: But the change takes time and commitment, says Willis. It would be naive of us to believe that in just six months to a year that we can affect these young people's lives.
6: It's been 13 to 24 years that they've been developing these various means. That's why
5: we work with them longer. We average time that we work with a young person is two and a half years. And it works. In 2020, 90% of Avenues for Justice participants had no new arrests three years after joining the program, 97% had no new convictions, and 97% were not reincarcerated. Luis Concepcion is one of Avenues for Justice's success stories. He was 14 at the time of his arrest. And I was a problem child. My parents, my mother was on public assistance. My father was a substance abuser. And because of that and problems that I was having, I just led to the streets. And I was arrested um, in February of 1995. You grow up in a cycle of poverty. You grow up in the cycle of uneducated parents. You grow up in a cycle of broken homes. Avenues for Justice helped Lewis, a young father at the time, gain youthful offender status, educational and parental support, and job training. He went on to serve as a U.S. Marine for 20 years. They get to the root of the problem and they provide assistance Um, as opposed to me at the age of 15 going through jail, you know, doing three to six years. And by that time, now I'm a legal adult. And the only thing that I've ever known was crime. So most likely that's what I'm going to result back to, as opposed to going into a system where there's assistance to help you with getting a job, um, getting back in school, helping you with the problems that you're having at your home. Avenues for justice is also cheaper than incarceration. It can cost the state facility hundreds of thousands of dollars per year to incarcerate one youthful offender, compared to the $5,500 or so avenues for justice needs in order to provide support.
3: And that's what we provide into a system that doesn't believe in a lot of alternatives. To provide opportunities for inner-city kids who just need sometimes a second chance.
5: For the PBS NewsHour, I'm Tim McPhillips. Sounds
0: pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean there were several things in there that I loved and I when we're creating clips and now that I'm creating clips cuz I'm trained um You're trained. I w- try to look for ways to cut clips down so they're not as lengthy but there was really nothing for me to cut there because I felt like it was such a comprehensive report. And I loved what the director of Avenues for Justice said there when he talked about how a lot of these kids have like 13 to 24 years that they have been developing these maladaptive behavioral patterns. And he talked about how it's going to take a long time to change that, right? You don't just do like a three month or six month program. Like he's, on average, they're working with these people for two and a half years, or you know, two two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I think that that is this type of program is what people talk about when they use the phrase defund the police. It's that that phrase has be, come to mean many things to many different people. But this is a prime example of redirecting
0: what, money out of police departments into something more productive
1: into something that um, helps out an overloaded court system, yeah. have an alternative to incarceration, um, helps helps reduce recidivism, helps keep the community safe. Um, more importantly, helps break a cycle of poverty and violence and um that is hard to do without people who are helping you you cannot do that on your own e-
0: extricating especially kids out of the criminal justice system is that's where it's at i mean that's really where much of our focus should be um to to intervene to 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 direct them out i mean whether it be the military which isn't the ideal i think um, into other avenues
1: well and they have high success rates that they referenced in that um, package as well in terms of people who complete their program and um, their their decreased odds of recidivism and I mean their primary goal is to keep kids out of prison because as they referenced once they are incarcerated they have a much higher chance of uh, being incarcerated yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I really think that this is a strong program. Um if we know anyone in the audience who like knows about this program, has gone through this program, works for this program, I'd love to hear from you, but you can go to avenuesforjustice.org and donate if that is something that you would like to do, donate to the cause. Um and we are happy that we heard about this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um that is all. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464 7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo. We'd love to hear from you there. I doubt it at dollamore.com. We sure do appreciate you guys. Get those email and voicemail submissions in for the Thanksgiving episode. That would make us appreciate you even more. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dolamore, and this has been I Doubt it.